Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Where Drunk We Know Things. We are once again at the Prince of Wales. We're recording on a Wednesday night for no reason other than somebody has a very busy schedule. Yeah, I'm super popular or something. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) this will mean nothing to you apart from the fact that we're probably going to be a little bit more blurry, a little bit more prone to wandering off topic. We've just uh, left I mean, work, so... To be honest, yeah. we, could, we could just end up talking about anything, really. This is good, because this is providing context that they don't require. Well, they don't listen to this for things they do require. Okay, let's break it down. This is what's going on with me at the moment. No, I'm kidding. That's, uh, that's a whole <laughs> different podcast. <laughs> for 15 minutes in my life with Mike Dean, please look up... No. Uh, oh, my God. So, yeah, back in the Prince of Wales. Probably going to ramble a bit. Deal. Already are doing it. Oh, also, we've already told you about the podcast awards, so, yeah, there's that. Yeah. What Hopefully, are we doing? you nominated, voted thing. What are we talking about, though? What are we talking about? Yeah. A movie. Which movie? One of my favourite movies of all time ever. My wife's favourite movie of all time. It's up there with Big Trouble in Little China. Fair. Oh, we should do Big Trouble in Little China. Might be doing that next month. Okay, we haven't decided yet, so watch your space. Uh, anyway, this month on We're Drunk and We Know Things, uh, we are going to set sail. Yes. And then dive beneath the choppy waters of uh, look at the hunt for Red October. That was really fucking tenuous. Seamless, seamless, seamless. It's the hunt for Red October. That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. So having said that, let's up the energy slightly because um, we're tired, but it's fine. I'm not tired. When a podcast becomes a job. Not really. When when a podcast becomes a chore. (laughs) No, this is, honestly, this is the only refuge for real life. Anyway, Hunt for the Red October um, was made in 1990, directed by John McTiernan. I was 10. Who was it starring? Um, I'm woefully unprepared. A Baldwin. <laughs> a Baldwin. I think Alec. <laughs> yes, quite correct. Whew. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Uh, it was also starring Sean Connery. Yes. It was also starring Sam Neill. Yes. Peter Sarsgaard. A bunch of other people. Peter Sarsgaard, you might remember, is the crazy scientist from Thor. Um, the uh, airport controller from Die Hard 2. Scott Glenn. Loads of naval blokes. Yeah. We'll come to that. Um, and James L. Jones. James L. Jones. Sorry, that was a bit of a sweeping omission. Yeah, that was Oof. quite bad. Well, yeah. he's only in it for a bit. He's so good. And to be honest, good. he's in all of them. He's so good. He is. He's, he's Greer all the way through, isn't he? He is. He is. Anyway, so... Um, also, he's voicing Simba in the live-action remake of The Lion King. He's not voicing Simba, bro. He's voicing the other one. His Mustafa? dad. Mustafa. Mustafa, who he voiced in the original Ooh, as well. Say it again. Um... Only Lion King. Just as a short note that. on that, I, I'm interested about it because apparently it's so photorealistic that there's no expression on any of the animals' faces. So it looks like an amazing documentary, except when they're emoting with their voices, their faces are totally impassive because photorealistic, photorealistic lions. Good. So anyway, uh, we're talking about photorealistic <laughs> submarines. We'll, co- we'll, cover, we'll cover that on the uh, Lion right. King episode. Plot summary. Plot summary. Let's talk about quickly the plot summary. So this um, isn't going to be quick. It's quite a, involved. The submarine. Well, we'll come to that as well. That's part of the production. It's set during the Cold War, so it was made in 1990. It's set during 1984, I think, something. the year before Gorbachev decides to walk the line between autocratic and communism and everything else. Absolutely. Um, 
a secret, super secret uh, Russian sub goes missing, it um, and uh, it is helmed by Ramius, who is played by Sean Connery, and it becomes apparent very quickly that they are defecting to the um, Americans because he's decided essentially that it's a se- it's a super silent submarine that they can like drive up to the coast of like Los Angeles and fire a load of nukes in. Uh, so without the submarine, them the submarine has a new propulsion system, yeah. which is yeah, yeah. silent. Yeah. That means it won't be detected by any of yeah. the existing anti-sub, anti-cold war. It's only used as a first strike capability. Defense non- nonsense Indeed, is a ballistic yeah, yeah. missile submarine, Indeed, yeah. uh, carrying quite a lot of missiles. Yeah. So the Russians go and say to the Americans, "Oh, this bloke's gone mad or something. We think he's going to shoot you and all this kind of stuff." In the meantime, he sent a letter to the Russian government to say, um, we don't "Actually, need this, I'm defecting." Don't think we need this much detail. Okay. Okay. So uh, on the other side, we have Alec Baldwin, who plays Jack Ryan. Uh-huh. That Jack Ryan. This is based on a Dr. book Dr. Jack by Ryan. Tom Clancy. Thank you. Um, so it's part of the Jack Ryan series. Uh, Jack it's the Ryan, first in the Jack Ryan series. Uh, I don't know. First film. Oh, it's the first film. film yeah, first I don't film, know if it's yeah, the first yeah, book. Yeah. Uh, so he's an analyst at CIA. An who analyst is who has specialised in submarine warfare. Yeah, indeed. Amongst apparently everything else. Or naval else. warfare. But yeah, indeed. Um, and he works out that actually probably they are trying to defect and then you tries to convince a, a whole bunch of people. That's so good. So, a yeah, whole so bunch you, of people, at, at the National Security Council, he convinces the yeah. president and everybody else by... The president isn't there. Uh, sorry, no, not he, but his National Security Advisor is there, sorry, um, who is played by Richard Jordan, who is amazing. Um, he His meetings with the Soviet his Soviet counterpart are incredible. That, that thing where he says, um, your aircraft have dropped enough sonar boys so that a man could walk from Greenland to Iceland to Scotland without getting his feet wet. Now, should we dispense with the bullshits? Is no, Should we dispense with the bull? With the, with the bull, yeah. It's, it's so really, good. It it's so good. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, um, we then have a bit of cut back and forth. So the Russians yeah. have launched everything in the Navy to try and catch and sink this boat. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want it falling to American secret. hands. Yeah, indeed. The Americans are basically trying to work out what they do about so it. So they're, they're, they're trying to work out whether he's going to attack them or whether he's defecting, as Ryan says, and they take a chance on Ryan to prove that he's defecting and to take possession of this submarine. Up to a point. Uh, meanwhile, we have our third plot stream, which is aboard the USS Dallas. Yes, of course, Scott is, Glenn. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a United States nuclear submarine that yeah, yeah. basically happens to be hanging around and just off the coast of Russia. And has the world's greatest sonographer, radio operator, radar uh, operator. I, I think sonar operator. Sonar operator, yeah. Sonographer is not a word, maybe. But Who can that. hear... Um, well, Pagliacci. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Panini. I think not it was Pagliacci. Pagliacci. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, they pick up on something. They find the boat. They get stuck in behind it. It then goes silent uh, and then starts its run. And we cut back and forth. Uh, long story short, they ball the Russian sub. He tricks the crew into leaving to think that there's a reactor reactor issue. He tricks them all into leaving. They protect, take possession of the sub. His protege, a Topolov, who is uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, not Peter submarine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what was that? Stellan Skarsgård, not Peter Skarsgård. How do you Pe- get that wrong? Peter Skarsgård, because yeah, I'm Peter an Skarsgård idiot. Peter is his son. Well, I, I, I tell you how I got it wrong. I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be rude with you, Rob. Drunk and we kind of know things. We're drunk and, and if we, we don't know them, <laughs> we own our mistakes. We're drunk and we forget things, I think, is probably more than... <laughs> ah, welcome to my world. Um, yeah, so there's a nice little bit of uh, naval submarine battliness. Yeah. Um, which, of course, everybody wins, apart from the bad guy, who isn't Well, really no, they bad, transfer, the, they transfer the, the torpedo from sub to sub to sub. So it's attacking the Red October. They are trying to outrun it. Then the Dallas comes in and takes a heat signature, and then they swerve away, and Topolov inadvertently blows himself up. 
it's brilliant. It is fucking brilliant. It is fucking brilliant. Uh, yeah, so that happens, and then everybody gets uh, up on the deck of the Red October. Uh, oh, Sam Neil gets shot and dies. Bit of a shame. Sam Neil's in it. Uh, I said that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody gets on the deck of the Red October as they sail across an incredibly badly composited blue screen shot of Fjord. Um, so that... Not Fjord, it's America. Actually, but that is actually it's one big mistake that a lot of people make. It's not a, a blue screen. What is it? It's day for night. So it looks really fake. But there actually are floating down a river in a submarine. But it's day for night, so it looks like bad composite, but it's also 1990. Could they not just have shot it at night? Yeah, but... Mounting a load of lights on top of a moving naval submarine that you've borrowed is slightly more... Considering the other shit they did to make this it's, movie... It's still slightly more complicated than just shooting it like that. And Jan de Bont was the cinematographer, don't still forget. The director of Speed and Twister. Which so, you know. brings us neatly on to production. That does bring us neatly on to production. So let me hit with some facts. Go on. It cost 30 million quid. Just Dollars. A chunk of which is which is a lot of money, but still actually fuck all. It made uh, 200, 200 and a half million dollars. The half, by the way, is from me. I'm I really think. glad. Yeah, I think there's the amount of times I bought this on Blu-ray. As I say, it's directed by John McTiernan, who actually gave up the chance to direct uh, Die Hard 2 to do this, um, which I think we can all agree was uh, for the best. Rennie Harlan's Die Hard 2 is the quintessential Die Hard film. <laughs> it's not the best one. It's probably the worst one. Well, it's the worst of the first three, but it's still my favourite. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah, that's, it's complicated. It I is mean, complicated. I've got feelings, and they're it complicated. And if I'm you, confused by these If you're interested feelings. in those feelings, please listen to our live show from last December, where we talk about Die Hard at great length. Um, it was written by Larry Ferguson. I'm sure we all know Larry it was Ferguson. Screenwritten by Screen Larry written Ferguson. By, yeah, of course. It was adapted. The novel was adapted. Again, these damn film nerds. Um, it was. Uh, he wrote Highlander, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Alien 3, and the remake of Rollerball. So, real rarefied solid, air for him there. Solid entry into the Beverly Hills Cop 2 is probably my favourite. It's Tony Scott, so it's got a gritty edge that Can't I really, really like. Really remember it. It's also written by Donald E. Stewart, who also co-wrote Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Yeah. So he made a bit of a career out of this. There's, there's As I understand a, it, he did a lot of script doctoring and polishing and stuff. There is a good, a good Clancy-ish feel to this, which I think is owed yeah, purely yeah, yeah. to Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. So, I mean, Donald Lee Stewart... Despite changing almost the entire cast, apart from Germs or Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Donald Lee Stewart is an interesting case because, as a film writer, is that he's a person that's made a career out of polishing scripts, doing uncredited rewrites and that kind of stuff. It's very interesting. There's a later rewrite, which we'll come to later, but... Um, Oh, do you know who plays uh, Ryan's wife? No. Gates McFadden. Go on. The Doctor from Star Trek The Next Generation. Beverly Crusher? I think so. Is it really? It could well be. I'm, I'm saying this and now I'm really concerned it's no, not. No, that's fine. I feel like I might have picked up on that, but maybe that's fine. That's fine. So, um, no one wanted to make it. Because it was it's massively overly complicated and there's an enormous long plot. Because it's a big, big-ass novel. It is. So the problem is in studios in studios. Clancy did anywhere. traditionally. Clancy wrote by the pound. No, we know indeed. And the thing is with studios is that what they do is they employ people to read books, and to write um, readers' reports of the books, and then give them to studio executives. And it was too convoluted. It was too complicated. So it took a very long time until Mace Newfeld, who was a producer of this film, to actually get an executive to read the whole book. Once somebody had, <laughs> I love this. Yeah, you're in Hollywood now, son. We don't read books. No, here. they just they depend on the readers' reports. And I, I mean, I mean, that's a great job, I think. To be honest, really? you write a summation of a book to try and pitch to to film studio execs. 
Frustrating, but good. It depends. If you like films, maybe. If you like books. I work in a bank. It's a better job. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so the original script actually opened with Ryan rowing down the Potomac, Potomac, sorry, Was with a cigar fishing? in his mouth. Because he's meant to be a rower, like an old, you know, he's meant to be like a no, Navy he's boy. He's next college rower. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So he's meant to be down the, down the Potomac with a cigar in his mouth. And John McTiernan said that, and I'll, I'll quote him, he says, it's, this story is it's Treasure Island, the story of a boy who has gone off and finds the scariest man on the earth who turns out to be a sweet old bastard. Once I had that, I had the movie. So he chucked out all the stuff of, like, uh, like um, Ryan basically being capable all that kind of stuff of like making him a bit of an ingenue, a bit naive and that kind of stuff. And he's like, he goes to sea and finds adventure and that kind of stuff. Which I think is really interesting. Really, really interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It's not funny. <laughs> so come on, crack on. Yeah, right. So the Navy lent them um, a load of stuff, a load of movies, a load of ships, I should say. The Houston, the Enterprise, um, two frigates, which were the Wadsworth and the Reuben James, helicopters and a dry dock queue, a dry dock crew, I should say, sorry to do all the exterior stuff mm -hmm. so all interior stuff they let them on board to take photos um, but obviously in the non-classified parts um, the toilets but then they, well indeed yeah and then they, well, the, they literally sorry the head the bridges but then they had to like blow out part of the photos and stuff because there were uh, instruments they were using that were classified um, but then the they clarinet, had to build these enormous sets which the will come up shortly um, instruments no Connery you're, 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 and no, you're I not it. even listening to me are you no I got it I got it. It's a bit funny. Sure. Sean Connery sat in the back playing a bassoon. <laughs> Sam Neill with the old French horn. They could actually do Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> they could just, yeah. I and mean, that was Russian. Let's move on. Um, Connery, Scott oh, Glenn. Too cultural for you, is it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Scott, uh, Connery and Scott Glenn um, actually spent time on submarines on the USS Puffer and the USS Salt Lake City, actual submarines where they were given commander roles, where they actually gave commands. They actually gave orders to navigation teams and that kind of stuff that were fed through them by the captain, that kind of stuff, to like understand how the bridge worked and that kind of stuff. And Alec Baldwin was taught how to navigate an attack submarine, which is the bit of, when, they, when people make movies and they say, well, I was playing a soldier, so I went and spent three weeks with the SAS to learn how they do stuff, that's cool as hell. I also like the fact that Alec Baldwin kind of meets Tom Cruise at one of these Hollywood shindigs, and Tom's all like, oh, I do all my own stunts. Oh, I learned to fly a helicopter. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. oh, but can you drive an attack submarine, Tom? Oh, you can't? Then do one. Thanks very mm. much. So when the writers were attached, initially the Navy were very worried about all the top-secret info that they could potentially give out, which, again, we will come back to. Um, but, they, but the generals in the Navy thought that this would do for the... Navy, what Top Gun had done for aviation. The Navy. <laughs> well, it was Navy pilots in Top Gun and it's Navy it's submariners, you know, yeah. submarines, whatever. Um, so they literally got sold on this. Now, they didn't provide anything for free, so all the stuff they paid for is they paid for, like millions and millions and millions of dollars to pay for the crew and, you know, submarines breaching and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Like, you know, th these are real shots of real submarines that cost them an arm and a leg. Now, the Red October, uh, Red October, Jesus. October over. Navigates using gravimetry, which I'm hoping you're going to explain in your deep dive, because I've done exactly no research. I've been giving a negative. Gravimetry is a cool thing, and you should look it up, viewers. We can't do everything for you, Jesus. Anyway, it navigates like using gravimetry. The hook of your <laughs> curiosity. 
It uh, navigates using gravimetry, which the Russians didn't actually have, but these dates had had since the 70s. So not caterpillar drives, but moving by gravimetry, which is silent running, essentially, is something they had, they first instilled in 73. But they okayed the script and all this kind of stuff because they were like, well, we can't say that you can't put that in the script because it would give away that we have got it. Especially given that it's already in the book. Yes, it was all. It was all like it, Tom Clancy's so switched on and has got so many sights into, like lines into the U.S. government that he, he kind of knows the score. You know what I mean? But they can't confirm or deny anything. Um, but they, um, <laughs> we can't ban it. Why not? Because then we'll know that we should have banned it. But it, but it backfired massively because when they were shooting the scenes of on the Dallas, the crew that are on board, they used actual naval people, mm-hmm. naval 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 officers, uh, or naval. Personnel. Personnel, thank you. Um, but because they just said, just act natural and say what you'd say on the bridge, they were talking about at one point, and I do have to look this up because I can't remember exactly what it is, um, they were talking about some kind of anomaly, a magi anomaly or something. So they're shouting about it in the background. But the only reason that that exists is because only if you use, only reason it's important is if you use gravimetry. So they inadvertently gave away this secret because all the extras in the background are shouting about all the reasons that the gravi- gravimetric drive isn't working properly, which I love. I love that. I think that's so funny. You don't want to cut in? <laughs> I had a thing. Okay, well, then go ahead, please. That's how this works. <laughs> because, you know, the, the Navy had it. Mm. Are you also aware that not everybody in the US government knew that the Navy had it? Oh, no, I didn't. And when the movie came out, there was actually uproar from certain members of the US government who demanded to know why the Russians had this technology, yeah, yeah. but the US did Oh, really? That's amazing. That is amazing. No, no, that's that's worrying. Well, but anyway. A government that doesn't know its ass from its elbow. Yeah, that sounds True. about right. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. So, moving on from that kind of stuff, let's talk a little bit about uh, the casting. Well, we've already done Gates McFadden. Gates McFadden, obviously. Well, let's move on then. Let's go straight on to the quiz. Well, there's another quiz, and there's got to be more production than that. There's loads of production. Um, so Alec Baldwin was approached... They built models, uh, dude. He was approached in 1998. Oh, well, actually... Ooh, are we talking about casting or models yet? Let's talk about models for a second, then, because this has piqued your interest. So the initial shot in the opening sequence of the submarine on the surface is two barges welded together with an absolute shitload of sheet metal hammered over the top yep. that they kind of towed along and went, fuck it, that looks like a submarine. <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. It's one of the first films to use CGI, which looks well dodge. It doesn't look great. The torpedoes exploding against the hull and stuff look well dodge. The torpedoes generally, and the, um, what do they call them, the countermeasures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those scenes are not great. That does look bad. That does look bad. Um, No, they built a model of the Red October. Okay. Do you know this? No, no, I don't know. No, they built a, not a full-size model. Obviously, that sure. would be stupid. They built a smaller model. Uh, well, they built a lot of full-size models, to be fair. <laughs> they only, for whatever reason, I think it was budget or time, they only shot it from one side. So they right. shot it doing all of that underwater stuff. Yeah. Is they shot it doing all of these maneuvers from one side. Mm. So when you see it doing it from the other side, it all they flipped. did was they just flipped the frame. You know what? I never noticed that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. I never noticed that before. That's really good. But yes, all also... The, all the underwater manoeuvring stuff, as much as the CGI looks a bit dodged, does look good. I mean, it looks good enough. It looks real. And it's very, it's very, very quick cuts. I mean, Jonathan, John McTiernan is a good director, so he knows that it doesn't look great, so he needs to do quick little glimpses of it so that it doesn't, you know, it's the Jaws effect, right? Small glimpses, build tension. Um, so yeah, so Alec Baldwin, he was approached in 1988 um, for a role in the Tom Clancy trilogy that they were planning. 
and they didn't tell him what role. Now, I don't, I can't remark on the intelligence of Alec Baldwin, but I would assume he guessed pretty quickly he's got to be fucking Jack Ryan. So he was actually signed on for three films initially. Well, they tried to get Ooh, Harrison Ford. They did. And then they couldn't, so they got Alec Baldwin. Because he was busy doing... Indiana Jones, everything else, everything, anything by George much, Lucas. Yeah. Um, and obviously that came back to bit him on the arse because he dilly-dallied too much about the terms for the next one. Apparently, him and Jonathan Bettinen, who are both Irish-American, were worried about doing, I want to say, Clear and Present Danger because that's about the IRA. Uh, Patriot Games. Patriot Games, about the IRA, IRA, yeah. So they wanted to do that one next. So they both didn't want to do that one because they were had Irish families and they felt a bit iffy. So they said, let's do the other one first. Um, but they fucked around for too long. And in the meantime, I'm presuming their Ford objection yes. was to butchering the accents in that movie and nothing else, right? <laughs> yeah. We can't do a bad job of the accents. It's very important to us. Sean fucking Bean doing an I'm Irish accent. I'm a Russian. Oh my God. It's amazing how in that series of films, the worst accent isn't Sean Connery being Russian. <laughs> Very close. So yeah, so so he was cast in an unknown role, supposedly, um, and also you know you know the role where the bit where they're lowering him into the ho- into the hotel, into the submarine. Yes. So they're lowering him into the submarine. So just to, just for context for our listeners who haven't seen this film, again, why are you listening film, to this? You fucking idiot. There is a scene where Jack Ryan has been run out to the Dallas on a helicopter. The Dallas is, of course, miles and miles and miles away, so the helicopter has been stripped down to nothing yeah, yeah. Um, and has exactly 30 seconds to hang around. Yeah, yeah. But the Dallas being a submarine may or may not be on the surface yeah, when yeah. he gets there. Yeah. As it turns out, it is. So he ends up just jumping off. This amazing sequence of... Um, the guy's cable snapping him. him, falling off and stuff? Yeah, no, no, amazing. it doesn't snap. It holds him. But no, no, just, the guy on the bridge. The yeah, guy no, no, on no, the it doesn't snap. Yeah. It saves him. But the whole bit of uh, the fact that when you have a helicopter in those conditions, there's lightning and what have you, and it's really tense because it's yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. water, there's rain, and it's really full on. Yeah. And where was it actually shot, Mike? In a parking lot. In a, in a parking <laughs> lot in Mole Pier at Long, Long Beach Naval Station on an incredibly sunny day. So they added all the stuff in afterwards in post. Yep. <laughs> so good. And you wouldn't know. And like as, as dated as this film's look, this film looks, I was reading that and was like, wait, what? Like, I feel like I need to watch the film again now to go, wait, what? It looks really good. It I looks really even good. watching it knowing that, fair enough, the lightning you pick up as being like Compton. Yeah, 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 but sure. everything else, and I think it's a testament to the actors. Yeah, Because they all it. take it so seriously. Alec Baldwin is a fucking incredible <laughs> actor. He is a fucking incredible he actor. He is by far and away the best of all. So the, the other thing that he was holding out for when he wouldn't do the second one I is d- that he wanted to do Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, go on. Sorry, no. Well, a- well Adam, Adam Baldwin is the one that's not related to them is in Firefly. Stephen Baldwin is the born-again Christian. Um, there's the other one who's in 30 Rock who plays the film version of Alec Baldwin, which is very funny, but he's rubbish. Stephen Baldwin, this is an interesting, interesting little thing for Stephen Baldwin from uh, Usual Suspects, of course. Um, he was He's a born-again Christian, and he was once asked, <laughs> such a weird interview question, if uh, a man had his gun against uh, your daughter's head and said, tell me that God doesn't exist, this isn't a Christian magazine, by the way, what would you say? And he said, then I guess I'd say, I'll see you in heaven. So the Baldwin family are a Hollywood family, and they are fucked up. Billy Baldwin is the one from 30 Rock. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, but anyway, so he was approached, and he's amazing. Klaus Maria Brandauer was originally cast as Ramus. Ramius. <coughs> he, you may know him from the ba- he's the bad guy from Never Say Never Again. Otherwise, you may know him if you watch a lot of German cinema. Porn. 
No, actual cinema. Oh, right, okay, sorry. Actual cinema, yeah. I wasn't sure if that he's, was like, He's one uh, of those people you see his face and you go, oh, right, yeah. Oh, that dude. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, right, that guy. Okay, I might need so, to watch some German cinema two weeks because I have into, no idea who he is. You, well, no, no and, and it's not like he's worked with, like, Werner Herzog or something like that. It's like he is, like, proper German cinema. Like, you, you wouldn't know him to see him at all. He um, quit two weeks in because of scheduling issues, which you think you would have figured out, like, two or three days in, but he took two weeks... Because it was weird, because the Germans, normally very prompt. Quite but, punctual, organised as But think nation. about where the trains were going. Anyway, um, he quit. <laughs> he quit. He's going to get worse, mate. <laughs> you went to the quiz. Um, he, um, he quit two weeks in, so they, um, they, they phoned up Sean him. Connery. Because, you know, that's your standard. And he, they, he was faxed the script, and he said, this is stupid, like, the Cold, Cold War is over, and, like, like this is not a, a thing. <laughs> I, do, I do love this. Not a thing. They faxed him the script, Sean Connery read the script, and Sean Connery did not realise that it was not set in the present day. It's because day. this fax didn't transmit the first page, which was establishing this was oh. set before the fall of Gorbachev and the USSR and all that kind of stuff. Fucking like, faxes. Kind of Fucking faxes. Weirdly, that's the second bond that was fucked by fax. Tomorrow Never Dies was initially going to be called Tomorrow Never Lies, but when they faxed them the script, um, the ink ran and made it look like dies, and that's why Tomorrow Never Dies is called Tomorrow Never Dies. Fucking faxes. So as soon as he that was... was to the as, terrible as, Bond film. It, it, that's the one with the um, invisible car. It's the terrible Bond film. Is it the one with the invisible car? Anyway, whatever. Uh, we're not talking about that now. So apparently Alec Baldwin said... Tomorrow Never Dies is the media magnate with the stealth boat. Yeah, oh, I like that one, actually. It's a terrible Michelle Yeoh, and they've got the terrible. BMW motorbike. And they slide it under a helicopter. Yeah, he oh, goes into the place bad. and he puts it's a hand bad. on the dragon and a fire pops out. And it has a bad baddie whose only it's thing is, I want to sell newspapers. It's, it's not fanta- German. It's a fantastic movie. It's awful. It's a great movie. Anyway, agree to disagree. So Alec Baldwin, when Connery was cast, uh, his quote is, I just said to myself... I'm so screwed. I'm invisible in this movie now. This guy looks like $10 million just stacked end to end. No one's ever going to see me in this movie. So when Connery first got there, he, because he was playing the captain, marched around on set and barked orders and all this kind of stuff. So this is the story, right? He barked orders and acted like an arsehole, acted like he was in charge, blah, 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 until people realizing that he was being method. But actually, he was being, actually, he was then actually turned out to be very nice and very, um, kind of took Alec, Alec Baldwin under the wing a little bit and that kind of stuff this reeks of me of re-spinning a story where Sean Connery is famously a complete bastard turned up to set and ordered everyone around and that was it yeah that was it he wasn't method acting he's just a cop. he's just a dick he's just a dickhead I mean to be fair he's Sean Connery still we'll come back to that in the quiz anyway so he arrived on the Friday to start shooting on Monday. I'm worried about this quiz now, but anyway. It's going to be fun. He arrived on Friday to start shooting on Monday, but he requested one day to rehearse. So they gave it to him because he's Sean fucking Connery. As soon as he joined, John Milius, who wrote the first two Dirty Harrys, Apocalypse Now and Conan the Barbarian, more importantly, he wrote Apocalypse Now, was brought in to do some rewrites and a polish. Sean Connery said, um, make it about me. <laughs> <laughs> Which feeds into what we literally just said. But he rewrote all the Russian parts. So the idea of them all speaking Russian at the beginning and then the camera coming into Armageddon, which is the same... It's the Oppenheimer quote, isn't it? Yeah. And, he, and it's the... Um, the Armageddon is the same it's in Eng- Russian as in English. It's probably the second best language transfer in cinema that I've seen. Oh, what's your favourite one? Uh, 13th Warrior... What's the one with Antonio Banderas as a samurai? 13th Warrior. I think that's yeah. Ridley Scott. They sit round a campfire in that movie. Oh, sure, yeah, And yeah. he learns the language by listening, and then everything just... it. But it comes in piecemeal. 
Oh, really? As he learns it in one scene. Oh, shit. In like 10 now, minutes. Now, that is a movie that I've read a lot brilliant. of times. Gets a lot. Gets a bad rap for no reason. Apparently, it's a lot better than people say. I like I like that specific part of that sure, specific okay. film. But that bit when it when it um, when it um, is Peter Finch when it um, uh, zooms in on his mouth and then pulls away is is incredible. I mean, that is beautiful filmmaking. That really it really is incredible. But that's John Milius. You know, he wrote Apocalypse Now. Uh, unsurprising. And they got stoned and did Conan. <laughs> they got stoned and did Conan. There is something. There's a, there's a big hairy elephant in the room. Oh. A mammoth, if you will. Probably should have just gone with mammoth to begin with. Go on. We need to talk about um, Sean Connery's wig. Yes, because Sean Connery did not have enough hair. So Sean Connery had embraced baldness about ten years previous. I don't know if he embraced it. Did he embrace it or was it thrust no, upon well, him? No, no, because he, he was wearing uh, wigs the whole way through Bond. I mean, he wore, he wore, he wore wigs. They were made, actually, they were made um, by uh, Keith and Margaret Short of Hornsey Rise, Upper Holloway. They've been making him uh, wigs since the latter Bond films, so certainly before Di- um, Diamonds of Forever. I there must be a point. It's like, so what do you do? Well, we make wigs yeah. for Celebrities. general people. Well, no, you, we you literally, know, we just make yeah. them for Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. We charge him... A shit ton so, of wig. So the legend is, is that it's the wig cost twenty thousand dollars. I don't think the wig cost twenty thousand dollars. There's always no indeed. Well, that's this, the story. This, what is about to unfold, probably cost, cost the movie twenty thousand yeah. dollars. So, so what it was on the day he turned up, Connery's got a wig on and he's got a ponytail. <laughs> he's got a ponytail. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> he turns up with a wig with a ponytail, and. Um, John McTinnon is absolutely livid and is like, absolutely not, you look like a fucking idiot, what are you doing? And Connery phoned up, the, he, so he phoned up the studio, and Connery phoned up the studio, and Connery phoned up the studio and said, I'm fucking Sean Connery, I say the wig plays, the wig plays. So the studio went, I guess the wig plays. So after the first day, on the first day, Jan de Bond, who is the cinematographer, describes it as, described it to Connery's face, which has got, you got some balls to Connery's face, Described it as a limp swinging dick. <laughs> and it became like a joke on set. So shockingly, at the end of the second day, he changed it. He changed it to the 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 the, the, the uh, to the wig, the kind of crew cut stand-up wig that he's got. Yeah, the naval crew cut wig that he's got. Um McTinnan has said that the the twenty thousand cost is actually the cost of like the reshoots yeah. and redoing everything as opposed to the actual cost of the wig. But it is still a wig that cost him twenty thousand dollars. He looks like a big limp swinging dick. <laughs> Janderbon, Janderbon, who we've spoken yeah. about before as being a complete cock. Well, you know when we did the Twister episode, when yeah, cocks absolutely, yeah, amazing. That's so good. It looks so good. So as we said before, a lot of the extras were Navy men mm-hmm. um, who they accidentally fucked up because they were talking about milligal, milligal, milligal an- uh, anomalies. Is is the word I was looking I think for? Just earlier. to be clear, I'm pretty sure there is one woman in this film. Two, if you count the daughter. What is he trying to think? Or is it just the wife and the daughter? Yeah. Well, it was a time when there was just dudes in the Navy, wasn't it, to be fair? And there was nothing gay about that. Um, they couldn't film on board actual submarines, because obviously that's honest to God... Um, top secret. Uh, top bullshit. secret shit. So they built two 50-square-foot platforms um, for the Red October in the Dallas on hydraulic gimbals to simulate the movement. Um, apparently they made everyone seasick. Sean Connery said, it was very claustrophobic. There were 62 people in a very confined space, 40 feet, 45 feet above the stage floor. It got very hot on the sets, and I'm prone to seasickness. The set would tilt to 45 degrees. Very disturbing. 
Now, um, you are actually being passed a photo, uh, which actually, thank you very much, because uh, I was going to show you that photo. We'll put it up on our Facebook uh, scene. That photo is incredible. Uh, this is the photo I was going to show Rob earlier. It is an incredible photo. It, just to be clear, it's that. a cross-section of... Is that the Red October? Yeah, it's a cross-section uh, cross section of that. cross-section of the bridge of the Red October. But you can see it. So you can see, 45... You can see the gubbins. Degrees, you can see the plywood. You can see the hydraulics. Degrees. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is really incredible. Apparently, it just properly... Well, so there is a bit of me. If you're going to make a submarine movie, don't complain about the fact that it moves around a bit. It's incredibly claustrophobic <laughs> and really hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that amazing thing where... maybe don't through Thor's twins, they like the the T slides along the desk and all that kind of stuff. Like that, I mean, that is so good. That is such a good tense scene when he tells them to hold, turn at the last minute, and all that kind of That's stuff. He's going to so, speed so up. Yeah, he says it was eight knots, and he takes it to sixteen knots. And then he takes it to 20, 24 knots. Yeah, so good, so so good. So um, just a last little bit. It was nominated for the best sound and best film editing in the Oscars, and one best sound effects editing. Connery was actually nominated for best actor at the Baftas, but didn't win. But more interesting, the thing that I really love about this is that the same with Top Gun is that Navy recruiters were sent out to cinemas and set up booths in the foyer, but didn't set them up before the film, set them up during the film, so that when people came out, they would have more hope of people being like, that's fucking amazing, to try and sign up. Shockingly, they haven't reported how successful that was. But uh, I love that idea. They did it with Top Gun too. I want to be a pilot? It's exactly like it was in a film, I swear to God. No one's going to be shooting at it for real. It'll just be, like, lots of slapping of asses and volleyball. Also, you're absolutely going to get to drive one of these things. You're yeah, not going exactly. to be in charge of the paperclip requisitioning yeah. Yeah, exactly. service for yeah. the submarine. You will spend the whole time changing tyres on a plane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's probably actually a bunch of stuff we missed, but there is one very important casting element that we missed. Other than Beverly Crusher. Uh, well, other than that, which you missed, and I didn't. So, yeah, true, you know, true we true. have not spoken about it thus far. Um, the last scene in Hunt for Red October. Jack He's Ryan asleep is on the plane. Asleep on the plane. Can't sleep on a plane, sure. Yeah, well, except he can by the end of the movie because he's bushed. He's very tired. He is. He's had a busy day. He's been a busy little bunny. He jumped out of a helicopter. He ran around in loads of red vats of something. Oh. He had to fight a chef. Oh, that's another thing. I'll talk about that in a second. Right, so, uh, the <laughs> first thing, yeah. uh, cast member, um, there is a, a, a very important cast member that sits next to him on the plane. Right. So, as he leaves the house, <laughs> right. he says goodbye to Beverly Crusher and yeah. his daughter, who's also played by somebody quite famous, but Lucy, I can't be bothered to Oh, actually, yeah. Look yeah, up Lucy, who. Yeah. Um, not a fanning too early, but yeah. somebody who went on to do big things. Um, and that and girl was in East Richards. <laughs> That's not true. I have no idea. It might be. Uh, and he says he's going to get her uh, big brother for her teddy bear. Yes. And on the way back, he's seen with a big teddy bear. Yeah. Like a three, four yeah, foot yeah, teddy bear course, with a yeah, red yeah. bow. Yeah. So who directed this movie? John McTiernan. What did he then direct? Or had previously directed? He just directed um, Die Hard. And the opening scene of Die ah, Hard. Ah, okay, yeah. So Stanley the teddy bear yeah. is the same bear as in Die Hard. Right, really? yeah, of course it is. Yeah, wow. Uh, what it's makes the same it, bear. It's exactly the same bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what makes this even more fun is, I don't know if it's exactly the same bear, or they just bought another it's one. It's the but same model of bear. It sure, is yeah. purportedly exactly the same bear. Sure. And he's credited in this film as Stanley, played by himself. He's actually credited in the, in the, in the Honest to God credits? In, yeah. That is amazing. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is... What other movies has he been in? I'll, I'll look that up. That's amazing. Well, I'm guessing those two... Reader, let us know in the comments. Listener, let us know in the comments. <laughs> if you're reading a podcast. Reading a transcript of this would be Ooh. confusing. Worst movie script ever. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was that um, when they made the movie, they were worried that people, uh, Americans, um, wouldn't understand <laughs> the difference between the sets on the different submarines. 
So sure. they colour coded them with the lighting. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, which yeah. Which is yeah. why uh, I think the Dallas is red, the Red yeah, October yeah. is blue, yeah, yeah. and the Kuren Kulen the the Alpha Topolov's one Topolov yeah uh, his boat um, is uh, green. Oh really? Except. The first thing that happens on a submarine when you declare an emergency red alert. is they go for red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I do love the fact that in the missile tubes on the Red October, if you look, and this is probably something that kind of got missed because they were just like, eh, but now yeah. with high def and all the rest of it, it's yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. you can clearly see that I'm pretty sure the Russians did not design their ballistic missile tubes mm. that hold nuclear missiles mm. with cool red LED lighting around the bottom of them. <laughs> well, you don't know. It's glow wire. Well, they were famously, you know... Very stylish. Op- opulent and stylish. In a room that nobody's ever meant to go in. <laughs> anyway, so yes, colour-coded. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's me done nerding out about Red October and Bears. Uh, Stanley, legit, props. Big up Stanley, Stanley Massive. Life. Justice for Stanley. Justice for... Hashtags well, does justice do? for Stanley. He was murdered in Stranger Things season Jesus. two. <laughs> Barb is holding him. <laughs> it's always the good ones. It's always the good ones. Barb went in Stranger Things season one. But, yeah. The good die young. So what are we doing now? Should we have a quiz? Oh, Christ. Yes, I mean, yes. It'll be fun. Energy. Yeah. I have the energy to get through this. Look, if I've got the energy to do the quiz, you've got the energy to listen to it. So you might have noticed that I haven't done a Sean Connery impression throughout this entire podcast. I'm, I'm suffice to say I had noticed and I was actually quite thankful up until this point well, I fear that that optimism may be about to come back <laughs> to bite me in the This might be the first podcast where somebody kills themselves because you're about to have a real bad time of it Brace yourself So this is Quotes by Sean Connery or not Extra points as always for if you can tell me who the quote is by So to be clear you're just recycling the Arnie bit but with a different actor Exactly It's just that it, you know every time I get to do a funny accent I'm going to do it so with it's not offensive So but we so. can expect more of these yeah. Joy. Oh, oh yeah Joy. Oh yeah Oh yeah Just keep doing Jackie Chan movies and you'll be fine I'm not doing that <laughs> Avoid basically any movie where the stars are predominantly Asian or from some other ethnic group. As I said last time, if we ever do a Pacino episode, you're proper fucked. That is famously bad. Right, so, so quotes by Sean Connery or not. So I'm going to give you ten quotes. Five of, them are, five of them are Connery, five of them aren't. So I'm now going to... But they're not begin. necessarily from this film. No. No, 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 they are quotes of Sean Connery, not from this movie. So, I like women, I don't understand them. But I like them. Did Sean Connery say that or not? Um, no. He did say it. Did he say it in The Untouchables? No, he just said no. it in an interview. None oh. of these are from films, by the way. He just said it. Oh, right. So <laughs> you I just have, have to depend no on your knowledge of Sean Connery. Of, which is non existent outside a, of his Rob, appearances Rob, in films. Rob, you'll be okay. It'll be fine. Right. I've kind of designed his ones that you'll probably get 50%, so you'll be fine. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Uh, that's clearly Steve Jobs. <laughs> yes, correct. Absolutely. Sorry, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Do not compare yourself to others. If you do, you're insulting yourself. That sounds very zen. So I'm going to go with no, that was not Sean Connery. Who do you think did say it? Uh, I don't know, the Dalai Lama? Adolf Hitler. Wow. <laughs> I, I was Googling quotes at work earlier and I did not Google that one on Google what? on my work computer. <laughs> Turns out if you go into Mein Kampf, there's lots of really innocuous quotes you can pull out that people don't realise. Do not compare yourself to others. If you do, you're insulting yourself. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> uh, Famously a very zen individual. 
I think it's my adventure, my trip, my journey. And I guess my attitude is, let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> what a, I can't even, this is a really bad. Where's that going? <laughs> that accent. Uh, right, I think that probably was Sean Connery. That was Leonard Lemoyne. Um. <laughs> this one is a weird one. There are women who take it to the wire. That's what they're looking for, the ultimate confrontation. They want a schmack. It could be Connery. Why not? That is Connery. That is Sean Connery condoning hitting a woman when she needs one on a Barbara Walters interview on television in the 80s. Nice. Yeah. Limp swinging dick. I've always hated that James Bond. I'd like to kill him. Now, that definitely could be Connery. I'm not sure if this is a trick question. I think that is Connery. I think he said it that. It is Connery. It yep. is Connery. I'm not keeping track. I hope you are. Remember, Shex is like Chinese dinner. It ain't over till you both get your cookie. Is not Connery. It's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I, love, I love that one. I love that one. Laughter kills fear. And without fear, there could be no faith. For without fear of the devil, there is no God. Okay, I really don't know what I'm doing at the moment, but I'm definitely not doing Connery. Probably should have practiced the accent. No, never. No, never. Right, never. that it sounds like Spiritualist Yoda, but it does not sound like Sean Connery. It is Sean Connery. Oh. There's nothing like a challenge to bring out the best in a man. That could be anybody. Mm, exactly. That's why it's a good quiz. It's not a good quiz. It's a great quiz. It's probably the best thing. <laughs> this is probably the best thing we've ever done. It, 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 it's Sean Connery's younger brother. Incorrect. I don't know. It was Sean Connery. And my last one. Point. Where we're going, we don't need eyes. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need eyes. Kill me. Um, well, by the basic law of the rules of the quiz, that's not Sean Connery. That was Sam Neill, co-star of Humphrey the Rotoba from Event Horizon. <laughs> he says, where we're going, we don't need eyes. Four out of ten? Um, well, I'm saying four out. Producer yeah, saying five. Oh, well, I'll give you five. Um, I don't care. Yeah, that was, that was a terrible quiz. It was all just building to... I just wanted to make the joke about the Adolf Hitler one and the one from Sam Neill from Event I mean, Horizon. Those both worked. It but, was good. You, know, you could have yeah. done like movie quotes or quotes from famous just done, publications. I should have just done ten quotes by Hitler and that would have been funnier. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's edit this out. What are you doing? Uh, quote, that, that, who's that? Adolf Hitler again, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so there you go. So pretty good. Well met. <clears throat> well right. met. 50%. Really good. Unbelievable. Really good. That was definitely worth our and our listeners' time. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That's, a, that's put me in a really good mindset to review this film. <laughs> do you want to have a break before we do our reviews or should no, we just crack on? No, we're not having a break. We don't deserve a break. Not so after that. <laughs> I mean, the impression wasn't even good. The impression was spot on. Spot on. At least Arnie was funny. I, mean, I don't know what you're doing. You're Chime in on the comments or? and you tell us if you think that that accent was good, that impression was good. I think it was perfect. It was like he was here. We're talking to you, people who actually listen to this I on YouTube. I once had a dream about Sean Connery where um, I, I was... Uh, we went on a holiday once to Scotland when I was a wee boy. And um, there were all these big granite big lumps of granite out in the you know, in the field outside and um, I had a dream where I was back there when I was a child and Sean Connery was sat there and it was Sean Connery's birthday and um, he said uh, I spent every day every night for the last three nights with another woman and I said oh that sounds fantastic Sean um, 
How was it? And he said it was. It got better from bed to bed. And I woke up and was like, Sean Connery's a fucking badass. <laughs> I had a dream about how Sean Connery was a pimp. <laughs> also, six Goldilocks. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The first the one was too hard. <laughs> the second one wouldn't let me finger the bomb. <laughs> the second frigid. one wasn't open to anal play. <laughs> Oh, we should never and also possibly always do these on Wednesday nights again. <laughs> right. So uh, let's do our reviews. You can go first. I need to summon the. We need to decide what it's out of. Oh God. I feel like five ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> five limb swinging. Dicks. Five limb swinging dicks. I'm gonna give it four limb swinging dicks. It's a super solid, brilliant action movie, full of terrible. Enough stuff that is terrible, that it's super enjoyable, and enough stuff that is amazing, that you do really enjoy it. So I'm going to give it four out of five. I'm going to give it two scores. <laughs> I was going to say two out. I was about to slap no. you across the face. I'm give it two scores uh, for people sitting at home sure. who are not massively nerdy about submarine naval warfare sure. and just generally like movies. Yeah. I'm going to give this a solid three. Okay. It's well put together. It's entertaining. It's well acted in places. (laughs) Um, It's well produced. It is, however, quite deep, very confusing. You have to pay attention. uh, And it moves very quickly. Yeah, it does. Uh, A lot happens. I am also going to give it a solid four and a half out of five if you are me. (laughs) So you're making a recommendation for yourself. Well, I don't need to. I already love this film. I gave it four and a half out of five. (laughs) But no, I would say that it has... I'm sure you will take that under advisement. (laughs) I I already have, Michael. I already have. No, for the general populace at home, you may or may not like this movie. It is complex. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, absolutely fucking love every minute of it. Sure. The scoring by Basil Papadopoulos... Yes, that we forgot to talk about. Um, It's not Papadopoulos, but it ain't ain't, far away. It's close, and that's kind of racist. Um... Is As amazing. Polydorus. Polydorus. Yes, he um, is Greek to be fair, but yeah, still not and great. And kind of racist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's brilliant. The Red Route, Red Route One, where they go through Thor's twins and then navigate. The him for the Red October is incredible. Which, by the way, if you tune back into our Christmas episode, Mike failed to identify. Yeah, shocking. I didn't know the name Basil Posidorus. I just can't say what film now. it was from. How many times have you seen this movie? Yeah, fair. I mean, this is the problem. <laughs> My wife is very, very, very disappointed. You are all about the cinematography and the framing. Ooh, look, look if it's my, not Michael Giacchino or John Williams, I'm just a bit fucked. Listen. Or Zimmer. I mean, seriously, our TV is so small. The, I Russian, can't even the, see ru- it the Russian male voice choir singing this is fucking incredible. I mean, that scene where they sing the Russian anthem is rousing. That's really, really good. That's really good. Let them shit. Gets me hard every time. Okay, I'm just saying I liked it, but <laughs> sure. Um. The usual follow-on to us actually quite liking the movie that we chose to talk about. I may have spotted a flaw, by the way, in that particular segment. <laughs> Is that we switch around the... Uh, we normally go into one-star reviews and have still got recommendations to do. No, no, we've done the recommendations. Have no, we? we haven't. No, okay, we let's haven't. stop and backtrack and see where we can... No, let's just keep going. Are you sure? Yeah, let's just keep right. going. Fuck it. Yeah, no, let's fuck it. Let's play it loosey-goosey. I don't want to make... I want to make it really hard for you to edit this. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so my recommendations are... Number so one. Stop what we do. Recommendations. <laughs> Number one. Sorry, dear listener. I am sorry. We like to have, occasionally we have a bit of fun. Normally you don't get to hear it. Actually, you do. We put it at the they end. They haven't heard this us be this drunk during a podcast in Bzzzle. in eight nine months. 
Right, so, what if you like Hunt for Red October, what else should you watch? You should watch Below, which is a haunted submarine World War II story. This is a horror movie. It is a horror movie. Directed by David Tuhi, who uh, had a hand in writing Blade Runner. And it is written, insanely, by Darren Aronofsky. What? Yeah. He wrote a World War II submarine horror movie and then got someone else to direct it. And it's like a, a late 90s bullshit, like low budget thing. It stars as the main, the main captain of the American submarine, Bruce Greenwood, who is Admiral Pike in the new Star Wars mm-hmm. movies. I love Bruce Greenwood. If I grew up to look like him, I would be very happy. I think it, you're already the man is up. incredibly handsome. Are you hoping there's going to be like a second? Not as gro- grown up as Bruce Greenwood is. I would highly recommend that. Okay, um, that kind of shoots all the mind down because they're all just like movies with submarines in them. No, I've got actual submarine movies. I just wanted to call so, out. So, what have we got? Das uh, Boot. Das Boot. Probably Wolfgang Peterson. Watch probably the TV series, not the movie. The mini series, not the movie. Probably the Das Boot movie, or I haven't seen the TV series. I've seen the movie, what? but probably um, the quintessential movie. Um, yeah. Quintessential submarine movie. Uh, there are a shit ton of World War Two submovies. And if you want to watch, the thing I love about the most about Daft, Daft, Daft Boot, I was about to say. Daft Boot. <laughs> That's the Monks Brothers remake. The it's d- also about a Daft French house group yeah, yeah. that wears shoes. The thing I love about Daft Boot is you watch it the whole time, and every now and then you go, "Wait, but are they Nazis?" And they are, yeah, but they're not. They're uh, they're German naval people who have been in the navy since the past to power from. You know, normal the Weimar to to the, to the Nazis, yeah. but they were all in situ as They're generals not Nazis, and that kind of stuff. They just killed a lot of Westerners they in were just, World yeah. War One. It, but it's really good. That is really so really. So yeah, watch this movie. Watch the seriously watch the miniseries. I mean, the film's good, but it doesn't yeah. have the breadth and length. Uh, there's stuff like uh, well, the, the, Death Comes From Above. There's a yeah. whole ton. Crimson of, Tide that came out a year later that Tony Scott uh, directed, yeah, see, which is I Top Gun, Top Gun I with submarines. Great Crimson Tide. I don't either. But it's all right. It's a, you it's should, a you submarine. Give it a watch. Yeah. Give it a watch. You're Denzel Washington and um, Gene Hackman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Gene Hackman literally acts Denzel off the screen and in the, every single um, scene they're the, in together. The it's script, embarrassing. The script was polished and punched up by Quentin Tarantino Ooh. as well. So it's an un- and you can tell when you watch it. It's really you can tell it's Tarantino. Uh, you could watch U571. And you, yeah, and you could watch K19 Widowmaker. Yeah, that's those got are both Harrison fine. Ford in it. It's got Harrison Ford in it, yeah, yeah. He yeah. finally got on a submarine, bless him. He did. Um, those are fine. My two big ones Down Periscope, starring Kelsey Grammer. What? Arguably the greatest submarine movie ever made. It's got Rob Schneider in it as a hilarious nope. cook. Nope. No, it's terrible, I'm kidding, but you should watch it anyway. It's on Amazon Prime. But my number one submarine movie of all time is Operation Petticoat. Tony Curtis and um, Cary Grant. Yep. Directed by Blake Edwards, who directed the Pink Panther movies. Yep. Who are uh, the captain, the first mate of a a submarine in the Second World War, but in the Pacific. Uh, At one point, they have to paint it pink because it's the only paint they can get and they need to stop it from rusting. It is... It is quintessential, incredible 60s screwball comedy. It is as far away as you can get from Hunt for the Red October and I so fucking you, love it. If you really love tense, gripping. No, if you like submarines. Drama. No, if you like submarines. <laughs> also, Gary Grant. Operation Petticoats, number one. Uh, the other ones, obviously, uh, Die Hard. Oh, sure, to all of Don McTiernan, and yeah, uh, Predator, Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, he made Predator. He made Die Hard, Predator, then this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Die Hard Predator, a last action hero, unsung, unsung good film. 
Nope. Unsung good movie. No, nope, not buying it. No, no literally, I'm underrate, not buying it. Underrated. Well, Don't need time to borrow. It's one fine. Of the I bought it on DVD and Blu-ray, so you can have it. <laughs> and um, any of the rest of the Jack Ryan series. Thirteen Assassins. The new ones. No, I like the TV series. It's, I like that John Krasinski oh, right. business with the guy from um, uh, the guy from The Wire playing Greer. I, li- I like those. That TV show is pretty good. Okay. No, you don't care for it. Not really. Okay. Mm. Well, I agree to disagree. All right. So that's our recommendations, I reckon. Unless you've got anything. I mean, no. Should we crack on and do one-star reviews, then? I think so. It's Amazon one-star reviews. So, one-star reviews. There's a so for the people that are drinking along with us. One-star <sighs> reviews. They've got a lot of catching up to do. I'm not, not I looked lie. on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. I looked on IMDb. And all the one-star reviews, bar the two that I've got, are talking about how bad the Blu-ray is. Literally everybody likes this film. It's the first time ever. I literally, I normally it takes me there eight are minutes. No it takes me eight minutes to find legit them. one star. So I've got one one-star review. Is and it I will somebody who is attempting to buy an ironing board? It is. It is a bit wordy. Okay. I, I will give him. Well, give, frankly, give, it, give him. We've only one. got one. I'm going to give him his fair shout. It's by Lycidas. It's called Unadulterated Drivel, and it's from July 2012. <laughs> Set the tone, Lycidas. Yeah, it? indeed. This is one of the worst submarine films I've ever seen. Was there ever a likelihood of a Russian submarine commander notifying his superiors of his intention to, fe- to defect? Why did the film start off with a Russian dialogue and then revert to English? Idiot, because it's awesome and super cool. Anyway, Sean Connery's Russian was appalling, only to be matched by his Glaswegian English. But he wasn't doing that accent, that's his fucking voice. But anyway, okay, fine. Well, so is he from Glasgow? I don't think he is. I think he's from Edinburgh, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, when a senior Russian official strides into his office spouting German, ya, 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 instead of Russian, da, 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 they're already doing it in English, so he's saying, yeah, 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 is what he's saying, but good, well, missing the point. I fell out of my seat in hysterics. The plot has a reasonable basis, but the acting and accents are farcial. Avoid this one like the plague. Farcial? Farcial. Farcial? Facile. Facile. Okay. Um, for a good, for a good submarine film, watch K19: The Widowmaker. Harrison Ford makes a far better Russian submarine commander, the commander than the implausible Scotsman, and Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson is a far better number two than Sam Neill. Sacrilege! Don't you ever speak a bad word about Sam Neill in front of me again. Sam Neill is the best number two. Sam Neill's a goddamn saint. He's retired from acting and he raises pigs and makes wine in Australia. The man's a god, the man's living the dream. Anyway. And rabbits. The plot and the action is also far more convincing. The best submarine movie of all time is Dust Boot. So he's not wrong. It's a mix. Now, when you look into this man's reviews, it becomes extremely apparent that this man served on submarines in the army, in the navy. So, yes, probably not a reflection of your time spent on American naval submarines at the same time that this was set. But also, it's not a fucking documentary. Now, I know I'm skirting the line of respect your troops and all that shit, but in this case, fuck off, mate. However... Respect your troops, fine. Doesn't mean they can't be fucktards. It's true. true. Also. So for the first time ever, this first one-star review, and I didn't even know this was an actual, honest-to-God feature of Amazon, there is a response. So you can respond. Yeah. So, there is a response this time. Oliver. He says, thank goodness, a sane review of a silly film. I particularly like the way that the Soviets spend billions on a sophisticated new self-submarine, only to find its exact coordinates can be repeatedly pinpointed from a great distance away by a low-ranking American seaman with ordinary sonar. 
when you look into this man's profile, it turns out that he also served on submarines somewhere in the Navy. So, yeah. If, so maybe if you served in the Navy, take this with a pinch of salt. I'm not going to lie. As the plot point he's picked up on, it's always bugged me. It's not, not the, the Russians have literally spent quintillions of rubles... It's not unfair. ...on building what's meant to be a silent, sneaky submarine, and literally first time out the gate they bust it. But I don't think it's unfair, but I do think it is this... You, you remember this was a film, though, right? Yes. It would have just been better if they'd found another way to catch him. So there is one other anyway. zero-star review. Zero-star? Uh, one star review, sorry. You can't do zero wow. star. One star review. We missed a whole And this is a real butte. This is a real butte. Oh, gone. Uh, yeah. Hang on, you said there was only one. No, well, I was lying, because this one's better. I'm going to do it backwards. The review is classic. Right. A fundamental misunderstanding of the star system. The review is from August 2016... And the review is by R. Moore. No. I cannot confirm or deny. Ronald D. Moore wrote a review. <laughs> you dick it. When I put this down earlier, I was like, I bet he makes that fucking joke and he'll ruin it. And he fucking, <laughs> God damn it, of course you did. But I yes, R. Moore. Is reviewing with his left eyebrow. Now, we don't know <laughs> that it was Bond Solidarity. But I would certainly like to think so. And what's the review? Classic. That's it. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like Roger Moore? He's in his 70s. He doesn't understand a one-star rate. He doesn't understand a star rating on Amazon. and a brandy. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's literally, the, it's literally the only review on Amazon that he's ever done. I just feel like he's gone into trolling. Because Sean Connery is clearly on Amazon looking at his star ratings. No, he has people that do that for him. Yeah. But somebody went, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Some intern shat themselves over that. So we can only hope that is a, a, a showing of Bond solidarity with a fundamental misunderstanding of technology. It's amazing. And there is The Hunt for Red October. This has been uh, this month's movie on We're Drunk We Know Things. Please join us in two weeks' time. I mean, I say please join us. It's not like they get a choice. Please. No, that's we, what you're we saying, We literally please. get pushed onto their phone. I'm begging you. We just arrive. Yeah, but listen to it, though. Like a turd on the doormat. What kind of fucked up mail order service have you got? Own two cats, dude. <laughs> Sure, okay. Sure. Also, a really, really <laughs> angry postman. <laughs> Isn't that the story of Moses? No, that was a baby in a basket in the reeds. It was different. Uh, well, that's what they tell you. I mean, <laughs> who writes say. history, Mike? They the dress winners, it up, though, don't they? The winners write history. You're not going to say Moses turned up as a turd on a doormat, obviously. Anyway, yeah, join us in two weeks' time, because uh, you don't have a fucking choice. We're going to be talking about submarines. I mean, actual submarines. More yes. about submarines. It's a deep dive into submarines. It's a deep dive. We had to get the joke in somewhere. It was going to be pretty much the opening of the deep dive. Well, it'll be good, because they won't remember. It'll be two weeks from now. They won't remember. Right. See ya. Chris Pine from Star Trek. Is that what he says in Star Trek? Punch it. Yeah, he does. I suppose they were running out of good ones. And then, like, he says, punch it, and then, like, Beastie Boys comes in, and it's amazing. Like, doing the producer's job for him, it's right. Whilst he eats. He's opening his crisps. Can you tear the top off that crisp all together? Because you'll be moving it the whole time otherwise. Yeah, I've done this. No, all the way. I've done this enough to know that you are. That's good enough.
You're right, fine. And Q Seagull. Q <laughs> Helicopter. Why a helicopter? Because it would be loud. I, yeah, but seagull's more likely to swoop to get the food. Yeah, but a helicopter would be cooler. Seagulls can't fly helicopters. <laughs> Just to be clear, <laughs> seagull wasn't flying a helicopter. If anything, seagull's flying into a helicopter and then a helicopter crashes. That's probably worst case scenario for a podcast. There would definitely... Battle Ranthrax. Yeah, I mean, if we don't win the award after that. Mm. Anyway. They made it just sound just like the set of the Twilight Zone movie. No one else gets a reference. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do the Twilight Zone movie next then. Brilliant. The bit became too laboured and it wasn't funny, so... Along with the rest of the podcast. Yeah, no, indeed. And that's me. That's it. Hunt Friday October. Solid submarine cannon. Good fun. Expensive wig. Very expensive work. Great music. Amazing cast. A, a, a young Alec Baldwin with the blue eyes of an, an Alaskan husky. Hair so thick you couldn't pull it out. Before they got fogged up with cocaine. and He just got fat. His eyes are the same, though. <laughs> His eyes are the same. It's from the neck up. He's still the same. Still the same Baldwin. They're all still the same. <laughs> well, no, he's got from he's, the neck he's up. got a leg of ham for a head these days, but he's still got the same Alaskan blue. Okay, specifically for a very specific area in his face, he's still the same Baldwin. That's, that's the thing we should have recommended. Watch Thirty Rock if you like Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Arguably the best thing he's ever been in. Are we right. having trouble in finishing this podcast? I think so. I don't think we want it to end. About 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 a minute and a half ago, I said I'd love to think that it's a moment of bond solidarity, but I can't guarantee it. And looked at you thinking this would be perfect, and then we just kept talking. I can cut it there. Let's see, let's, see, let's see how long we can keep it going. Are you sure? Yeah, why not? We've done this before, though. We what know do you think about Timothy? Probably... Do you think Timothy Dalton liked this film? <laughs> no, because he was. No, hang on. Connery was Navy. Was Dalton yeah. Navy? No, Dalton's always been. No, like none of them FF. got none of them got army 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 stuff. Uh, army uh, other than no. other than Bond. Other than Connery. I think Dalton probably would, but I think he'd probably be rooting for the Russians. You might have to come out. Why? Because that was something that I that was insider knowledge that I shouldn't have perhaps divulged. Well, maybe don't say that on microphone. Yeah, we have cut all this out. Okay, so we're done. Hello. No. I've also booked four Tuesday fight, afternoon fight, off. Fight. Who has? Me, I've got 40 messages. My brother's. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so you and your brother are going to be fucked up when we get to Hawks? No, I'm not. No, I'm definitely not. Well, I don't get there till four o'clock, so he's a bit fucked. Well, anyway. I'm not eating till seven, and I've got to get a fucking Uber halfway across the damn city. We'll just, I'll just meet him an hour yeah, early. We get into it. We'll just meet an hour early and it'll be fine. I'm not going to fuck about. Right. <clears throat> it means I'm going to have to skip my lunch martini. The only reason I go to that damn city. <laughs> <laughs>